In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hey, Broads and Books listeners. It's almost a new year. Thank God. Thank God. And we've got all sorts of good stuff coming your way in 2021. But first, we want to hear from you. What you like, what you want more of, what ideas you have. So we've put together a short survey. And we want you to check it out. It'll take you just a few minutes to complete, and you will be helping us deliver the goods. The goods. You can find the survey link in our show notes below and on our website. So take a few minutes. Tell us what you think. We are so grateful that you've made Broads and Books a part of your podcast rotation. So remember, click on the survey link in our show notes in your podcast player or on our website, broadsandbooks.com. Thank you and happy reading. Hello and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Amy. And I'm Erin, and this is episode number 80, Hold On. Hold On. This is a song by Her, which is spelled H period E period R period. And I would like to say that I'm hip enough to know this person before, but I didn't before SNL this fall. Right, Her yeah. Her appeared on SNL. Exactly. And this song is actually about letting go, even though it's called Hold On. Mm-hmm. And I liked it for this time of year because, you know, thinking about letting go of bad habits, bad relationships. Um, I know this is a time of like resolutions, which I think, I don't know if you and I really do that, but it's a perfect time to think about, you know, rethinking stuff that can yes. be cut from your life, that can be added to your life, mm-hmm. whatever you would like to do. Yes. And now's the time. Nice wide topic for great picks. Yes. 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 Absolutely. This is our first episode of 2021, Erin. It is. I mean, as we said in our last one, we need to keep our expectations low. Very low. But but I am turning a page, man. I'm turning a page. Turning a page. And you and I are ready to go. Yes. 
So official welcome from Broads and Books <laughs> to 2021. I know you were waiting for this. You needed it. You can start now. I mean, we got books for you books to for start you. the year off. Well, you brought up bad habits. Yes. Is there a bad habit that you refuse to give up? Yes, and that is junk food. Oh, yeah. I cannot do it. I need my Reese's Pieces. Yeah. I need my Oreos. I need yes. my Hostess. And listen, I'm vegan. These things are accidentally vegan. Mm. I will take that accident and I will run with it mm-hmm. because there's no real food in there. Right. And it was a hard year, Erin. Don't take away my high fructose corn syrup and my red dyes. I don't blame you. You need it and you deserve it. And even when it, the year becomes better, I still want my damn junk food. Yeah. And yeah, I know you're going to tell me it's unhealthy. I don't care. That's not the point. I'm eating fine in other ways. I just want my vices. This is my vice. Yes. Give it to me. You're allowed. Thank you. I, yes. So you will look, if you look in my cabinets, you may think that there is a five-year-old that lives here. No, it is me, a 43-year-old woman who needs my Oreos. And that is fine. (laughs) I say you embrace it, and I don't know why anyone would try to make you give it up. That is wrong. Thank you. So wrong. Thank you for indulging my vices. Mm -hmm. So, Erin, Mm -hmm. we kind of mentioned New Mm -hmm. Year's resolutions. Mm -hmm. Do you engage in such behavior, and why or why not? Okay. Um, I do. Okay. And Don't don't close your eyes and squint and judge yourself. I have to clarify, because I am that... I'm the chief. I love the clean slate feel of a new year. Well, for sure. I love like a new planner. I'm super goal oriented. Oh, I can get behind new planners. Yeah. Hell yeah. Right? That is gratifying. But I, I will say I take issue with the word resolution. There yes. are never things that I want to like stop doing because to some degree, I think some of that's futile. Like yeah. it's not going to happen. Yeah. So I don't, it's never like a resolution like, oh, I need to eat better. Or I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to lose 700 pounds or I'm going to, you know wear more makeup or Mm -hmm. constantly wash my face before I go to bed. Like, they're not things that are going to happen like that. Yeah. It's more like these are things that I want to happen this year, maybe professionally, maybe personally, maybe, you know, I want to work on this particular relationship. And so in that way, I I feel like it's a little bit more thoughtful and it's usually a little bit more like goal oriented, like a big picture of what I want the year. And I like that fresh start. Mm -hmm. I like looking at it and feeling like, the whole, the world's my oyster. Yeah. Yeah. And it's nice at a moment like this to sort of turn your back on a shitty year. Yes. And hope for a better one. Absolutely. Do you have a different word that you would use than resolutions? I, goals, yeah, I think. that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I will say, I <laughs> uh, my birthday's in May, which mm-hmm. I know is not the halfway through the year. But to me, it sort of is. I always use my birthday as kind of a reset, too, of mm. like, okay, ha, yeah. am I on course? Am I not on course? Okay, here are things that I want the next half of the year to include. So I kind of like that time of year, too, for that. Yeah. But yeah, I... I yeah, I like turning the page on that calendar. I like mm-hmm. getting the new ready to go. It's a really oh, good feeling. It is a good feeling mm-hmm. to look at your binder and look at all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think you made a good point that I feel like resolutions have been co-opted so much by yes. like diet companies. Yes. It's always about yes. like, and I feel like this time of year, especially in 2021, it's going to be like, oh, you put on all that weight during quarantine. Quarantine Let's, weight. How yeah. many times have you heard that? Ugh. Ignore all of that shit. You're mm-hmm. going to be targeted with so many of those messages. Ignore them. Yes. First off, it's normal that you gain some weight. We yeah. were in a global trauma. Right. And second, you don't need to change your body. 
And I would like to point you listeners, it was already posted on our social media because this is now in 2021, but we posted an anti-diet resolution reading list Oh yes. on social. And so go back to that. Read some of those yes. books. If you're feeling pressure, you can say, no, 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 no. no, no I no, got no. goals. Exactly. Screw your weight loss and resolutions. And also the broads say, I don't have to. No. And I got all these books to back it up. There you go. I like that. Make reading your goal. <laughs> Do you make reading your goal? Do you have like goals for how much you read? Do you? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like what? Well, sometimes it's too lofty. So for a while there, I was reaching it and then I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to set it at two books a week last year. Yeah. I did not quite meet that. Well, but last year was hard. It was. It was. There was a large period. So I think this year I'm more on track for that. That's about average for me. So I feel like I could probably get there. But two books a week, that's 104 books. I know. That's, That's a good goal. Yeah. 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 Do you like uh, market anywhere? Do you do Goodreads? Goodreads, do do, okay. yeah. I'm always yeah. market on Goodreads. And mm-hmm. I think Goodreads does that really cool thing at the end of the yeah. year where they send you the email of everything you've read. All you've read. totals all the pages. Mm-hmm. It's so gratifying. Yeah. yeah. Like, look at what I did. Look at this. Yeah. Oof. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we've talked about letting things go, but is there a bad habit that you've never gotten into, but you can understand the appeal? Yeah, I think hard drugs. I've never gotten <laughs> Right, hard drugs. All right. I can understand the appeal of like escape and euphoria, especially if you're in a rough spot. If you if it's a hard life, I get it. But you know, with high highs, you get low lows, and I don't think I could handle like if my teeth fall out Mm. or like Mm -hmm. if all my funds run out and I have to give out like hand jobs in a gas station bathroom. I don't want to do that. That I don't want to. That's where my mind goes. It's like you do hard drugs and soon you're giving out hand jobs and I don't want to do it. Hard drugs, 10 seconds later, we have no teeth that are giving hand jobs in a gas station. <laughs> yep, that's where it goes. Ooh, that was good. That was really good. Okay. So, you know, that explains why I, I, I've i never tried it. Right. Yeah. I could definitely see how, and I, I think I also recognize in myself that I would probably become addicted very mm. fast. Mm-hmm. And so, you know. Yeah, I just uh, I, I just can't do it. I hear that. I don't have room in my life for that, Erin. I get it. Not for all those hand jobs that I got to do. I don't have time for no. that. No, no. And in COVID, I, that's a no, lot of hand washing. <laughs> oh gosh, uh, so much Purell. So much. I don't want to. God, and it's still hard to get sometimes. So you don't yeah, want to deal no, with that. That's not something I need to be no, dealing with. Not no. even a little bit. <laughs> oh, I'm going to ask the same question to you, Aaron. If mm-hmm. is there a bad habit you've never gotten into, but you could understand the appeal? Yes. Did you get into hard drugs and hand well, jobs? yeah, I can't say that one because we all know. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, this is going to sound funny, but I I'm going to say smoking because I oh, have God, at different yeah. periods, like very briefly. Yes. I've never been like a full on smoker, but I can tell you that those times. I can understand it. And even oh, God, now, yeah. having something when you're like stressed out Ugh. or you're emotional, you're angry or what, like mm-hmm. I can understand the appeal of having this thing that puts you kind so of at ease much. or yeah, is sort of that crutch almost. Yeah. I get it. I can 100% get it. There are times that I have wished I was a smoker as weird as that sounds because. No, it's not weird because I used to smoke a lot mm-hmm. and Oftentimes, it was a wonderful way to get out of a, a uncomfortable conversation, to just oh, take a break from yes. a social setting. Like, oh, yeah. got to go outside, got to go yeah. smoke. So that mm-hmm. was nice. But yeah, I mean, just to have something to like give you a tiny hit of dopamine, yes. Yes. nicotine. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And the times, I mean, I remember it 
being kind of great. So mm-hmm. again, it it, there's great. a lot of downsides, and that's oh, why I know. I but it was it wonderful. Up. I yeah. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I got healthy. And then I turned it to junk food. So, you know, what could you do? Yeah. It's fine. Fine. It's fine. Live your life. Do it. (laughs) Well, for fiction picks, thinking about, you know, turning over new leaf, letting things go, um, things that might not be uh, treating you well, I chose The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. And this just came out last year, 2020. I've heard a lot of great things about this. Yes. And right away, when we start the book, we learn that Nora has decided to die. Mm. She is in her mid-30s. She's living in a small town in the UK and feels like she's done everything wrong. At one point in her life when she was younger, she was an amazing like Olympic-level swimmer, but then she quit. At one point, she was in a band with her brother, and they got a record deal, but she pulled out. She quit. Um, At one point, she'd been fascinated by science and glaciers, but she never pursued a career there. So instead, she's working at a music equipment store. She's cut off from family and friends, and she sees no real good path forward. And uh, I mean, she kind of admits that her life is full of regrets. So she takes a bunch of pills and she passes out. And when she wakes up, sort of wakes up, she is in a library where she sees her old high school librarian who had been extremely kind to her and here the librarian says all the books are choices that you have made or that you could have made these are lives that you could have lived and as you're teetering between death and life because you're not fully dead yet you can try these lives out so she does she gets to enter lives where that she could have lived and decide whether she wants to stay there or let herself die So there's a life where she kept up swimming and a life as a pop star and a life as a climate scientist and so many more. I this is such a fun reading experience, but very, very touching, too. And Mm. I chose it for this theme because I think uh, Nora believes that she's messed everything up. She's Mm -hmm. squandered all these chances to make a good, worthwhile life. But she's starting that or she's believing that from a place of regret that may or may not be based in fact. Mm -hmm. Like, was the ex that she regrets leaving, was he actually that good? Was he worth staying with? Mm. Or would a life as an Olympic gold medal swimmer actually be satisfying? Would it be joyful? So she has to start really thinking through her life choices, but also the criteria by which she is judging her life's choices, if that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So she may have to let go of some faulty logic, some bad habits, some relationships, which is hard when you're starting from a place that feels like bottom and this idea of holding on. It's it's so powerful here. Mm-hmm. I think this is a killer concept, and the way that Matt Haig writes it is so propulsive. I read this in like two days, mm. but it's deeply heartfelt, and it feels so appropriate for not only this theme, this time of year, but our day and age. Yeah. So this would be a perfect one to start the year out with. This, Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And don't we all sometimes have that overwhelming feeling of like all these decisions I've made? What if I did yeah. it different? Yeah. Or what if I ended up here? Yeah. I did that. And that's the brilliance of this is it taps into all of that. Yeah. And it, it kind of, you know, it has this wonderful sort of sci-fi aspect to it, but very, very human thought of like, oh, what would have happened if yes. I'd done this? Yes. And oh, man, I, I should have done this instead. I, I've messed everything up. Yeah. Mm. Excellent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It deserves all the praise, it sounds like, that yeah, it's getting. very yeah. much so. Mm-hmm. Well, for my fiction pick this week, I picked a book called Blood and Money by Thomas Thompson. And this was published in 2011. And I need to preface and say that this is actually kind of a, a combo. It's actually a true crime book. 
but there's a lot of it that's put into kind of a novelistic um, writing sense. So okay. there, there are scenes and encounters that are recreated with the characters. So I, I don't want to put it solely in the other genre category because I th- obviously some of it is fictionalized. Yeah, and okay. I, I think it's important when you make that distinction. But I also think it's important to recognize that sometimes a true crime story can be the great backbone and you can kind of flush out these other details. It's fun to maybe explore what those characters were thinking and doing. Mm-hmm. So... Like I mentioned, this was published in 2011, and it kind of has all of the best stuff of a true crime story. It's power, passion, oil, murder, and it is told at a quick pace. So like I said, some of it's a very traditional true crime. It's just an account of events. Some of the novel is like the reconstruction of scenes, conversations, encounters among the main characters. And it starts with the death of Joan Robinson in 1969, and she's a very pampered, very adored daughter of a Texas oil millionaire and the wife of plastic surgeon, Dr. John Hill. So she is um, found dead. And there is a lot of speculation about natural causes, suicide, murder. There's a lot of unknowns. So in 1972, Joan's father is successful in getting Joan's husband, Dr. John Hill charged with her death. And So we go through that whole period, and then we go through the mistrial of John Hill. And then John Hill gets killed by a robber. And then the robber gets killed by a cop. What? And we're on this crazy ride trying to figure out how this is all related. Who's actually at the heart of it? Why did Joan die? Did Joan actually die of murder? Oh what is happening? And it is, it's enthralling. It's weird. It's heartbreaking. And it's got this great true crime aspect. These things happen, but yeah. there's also all this unknown that the author took this time to kind of flesh out, like, is this the where it's going? So it gives you that feeling of looking at it from a bunch of different viewpoints, but... Also, you're kind of learning with the author, like maybe it went this way, maybe it went this way. And I picked it for this theme because one, all of the relationships in this book are like winning examples of horrible relationships, <laughs> like a whole bunch of bad habits that they all should have dropped immediately. Okay, okay. I mean, really, all of the relationships are so bad that it's amazing that the tragedy wasn't bigger. And I think that a lot of people in the story would probably still be alive if they could better base themselves in fact and not be so sure that they know the truth and no one else does, which that's kind of a universal bad habit, right? For sure. We all think that we know better than everyone else. I mean, but we actually know better. Well, yeah, we do. Everyone else. Yeah, all those stubborn people that don't know what they're talking about. Terrible, terrible people. That's what I'm referring to, yeah. (laughs) And I also picked it for this because sometimes it's important, I feel like, in reading to let go of traditional genre ideas. Wow. Look at what you just did there. Boom. That's impressive. Boom. Yeah. Bringing the heat in 2021. (laughs) (laughs) Not only content, but structure you tied to the theme. I did. I like it. I did. Mm -hmm. I I liked this. It's a great story. Um, I think that you'll enjoy it. It's interesting just for the facts of the case. Mm -hmm. So I like that idea, though, of like letting go of genre constraints. I think you and I have talked about that, too, that sometimes so many books um, could maybe fit into multiple genres or they're limited by genres. Mm -hmm. And if we maybe did away with some of that strict genre categorization, we'd be much better off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Just read a damn book. Yeah. And enjoy it. Just read a book. <laughs> Get to it. That's our mission statement, isn't it? Just read a book. Just read a book. Just read it. Just read a book. <laughs> I wonder if we had that printed, if it would come out in the tone that we're expressing it. Just read a book. Oh, yeah, because we kind of need that little bit of a... Yeah. We need the... T- the I'm trying yeah. to think. Let's hmm. see. You could italicize just. Just read. <laughs> you could draw out E and A and read sure. a little bit. Just okay. read yeah, 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 yeah. a book. Yeah. And then, ook, maybe a couple extra O's. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. We don't want an explanation point because then it's like, just read a book. <laughs> just read a book. Listeners, you're getting a backstage pass into like how we think through yeah. our branding <laughs> right here. <laughs> Parentheses, please. Because <laughs> we don't want to be too mean. We're not trying too to be hardcore. too hardcore. Yeah. No. no. We were raised right. <laughs> we know our manners. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, other genre book. I have got a book called How to Do Nothing, Resisting the Attention Economy by Jenny O'Dell from 2019. Now, I will say right off the bat, the the title kind of makes it sound like this is a directional book, like there's steps or checklists or something for how to disconnect. And it's not that. It's much more uh, an examination of where we are and how to think of maybe an alternative. Okay. Um, It's a collection of thoughts, even many essays on the sort of feelings that we get by living in this uh, crazy connected world. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, this idea of, and, and first, you know, she's setting the stage of how we are supposedly connected, and I'm putting that in sort of quotations, through social media, through the internet, how it's supposedly created more and more uh, networks of, you know, friendships and, and maybe even enhanced relationships, kept up relationships. And her, you know, viewpoint on that is like, no, no, no actually no all of that stuff is designed to make money it's not designed to create relationships it's not designed to help you be a better person this is all about making some damn money right and with that in mind she's trying to sort of explore why that's the case Mm -hmm. how this economy sprang up as well as alternatives for us Mm -hmm. to we don't have to quit facebook we don't have to quit twitter we don't have to do all that stuff but maybe there's another way than just living off of that is our only connection right so this idea of doing nothing it's not what we think like i said it's not even a full disconnect from social media it's much more taking time to opt out Mm. and taking time that is deliberately unproductive Mm. and i'm putting that in quotes as well and that idea is what i really latched on to for this book but also what relates to the theme for me because i think In this book, Jenny O'Dell is trying to say, like, we are dominated from start to finish, morning to night, this idea of being productive, of doing this, (laughs) doing this imaginary or real checklist of things to sort of give us meaning to our days, meaning to our lives. Yeah, we she says this is, you know, this is part of being in a capitalist society because we're now because of the Internet, we feel like we have to be on all the time because everyone is connected all the time. I think this was written in 2019, but 2020 really illustrated this concept for me. Um, I think that so many of us fell into a trap, especially at the in the first couple months of lockdown, where quarantine was time to be productive, mm-hmm. to you know do that thing that we've been putting off, or to learn that skill, or to start that business, somehow use this time. Mm-hmm. And first, that implied that everyone was able to work from home and had all this extra time, which right. wasn't the case. Um, but also implied that no matter what, even in the middle of a deadly pandemic, 
we had to be little worker bees. We right. had to be yeah. productive. Mm-hmm. And we are only meaningful. We are only, you know, supposed to be who we are by being productive. Um, I know that I routinely struggle with this anyway. I will take time off from work and I will make myself vast checklists of things that I want or need to do during right. that time, which is not actually rest. That is not taking time off. Right. But the idea of like spending time and not doing anything is it's so strange nowadays. And I think that's the concept of this book is Mm -hmm. that actually, no, taking time to do nothing, if you have that time, that's what such a wonderful luxury, take advantage of that. And remember what it means to be like a human being and be in a physical world. So I think, like I said, um, this is more of a thoughtful analysis than any sort of how-to book, but she does have some concrete ideas. She says, like, you don't need to have notifications for every news engine pop up on your phone. Right. You don't have to respond to every email, every tweet, everything. You can, in fact, create boundaries and rules for your use of the internet, for your use of social media um, to help you better navigate the modern world. And there's this great, great quote that she says. She says, the villain here is not necessarily the internet or even the idea of social media. It is the invasive logic of commercial social media and its financial incentive to keep us in a profitable state of anxiety, envy, and distraction. Wow. And her whole book is basically like, we don't have to play along with that. Right. We don't have to deal yeah. with it. So I I think this was perfect to read and consider right now when we can think about what we might want to let go, what we need to hold on to, all these uh, arbitrary ideas of staying connected all the time, how that might be something we can let go of. Yeah. 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 It definitely, like, it made me think about uh, social media in a new way. Mm Mm-hmm. It made me uh, a little more willing to be like, yeah, I don't want to check it and I don't have to. Yeah. 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 And to take some time to take an afternoon and read a book if I have an afternoon free and not feel like I have to, I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know about you. I feel like women can fall prey to that a little more Mm -hmm. too. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's something she talks about too. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That is kind of refreshing to hear about the social media because I actually have felt like in, in 2020, I've my relationship with social media has gotten really weird. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have gotten to this sort of almost hate place where I don't yeah. like checking it. Mm-hmm. And so then I avoid it. And then I have guilt about avoiding it. Like I'm yeah. not doing something I'm supposed to. And Which then is that's so weird. weird. Yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, you're right. I think setting boundaries and being like, no, this is the time I'm going to do this. And this is the purpose it serves for me is a little bit more. Yeah. And recognizing that it isn't a benevolent thing. Like it's designed to make you feel shitty so you'll spend money. Like it's designed to create some of our guilt and Mm -hmm. create some of our shame and all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. It makes me feel dirty, like feel like understanding that, but I think it is also sort of powerful to understand that too. Yeah, you know. Oh, now my head's spinning. I know. And what's great is Jenny Odell is a, a working artist, and in fact, she before this she had a project where she worked, I believe, in San Francisco in like the sanitation department, creating art from found objects. So she has a really interesting like perspective and past and. Uh, you will you as you read this you will see a lot about bird watching she finds that to be a very sort of meditative way to get Mm. back to the physical world to avoid all this other stuff Mm -hmm. but you know still be in the world and yeah rest her brain Hmm. Hmm. well for my other genre pick this week i read a book um, it's actually a graphic novel called the times i knew i was gay 
by Eleanor Cruz, and it was Ooh. published in 2020. Um, and it's about the author, Ellie, and she's always had some questions about who she was and how she fit in. Um, she wore black for a long time and thought that was going to be her thing. She obsessed over Will- Willow in Buffy the Vampire Slayer oh, yeah. and found that, you know, she didn't really have the same interest in dating boys as her friends did. Mm-hmm. So she thought that that stuff would just come, that she was just maybe a little bit behind. And she tried, but she knew that underneath something was off. And she just had this really deep sense of unbelonging. Like, I just don't fit anywhere. And she attributed it to just being different. Mm-hmm. She couldn't really put her finger on it for a long time. She gets older, she goes to art school, and she continues to still try and keep this perception up of what she thinks is normal. And she eventually realizes and comes out, and then she does it again and again and again and again. And it's this is just a really truly touching book, coming of age book, about how coming out is not the same for everyone. Mm, yeah. And it may happen again and again and again. And it isn't always just a, oh, I knew, and then I said it, and that was it. And Eleanor is blessed. Her family is very accepting. There is no um, family pressure to be any different. It's pressure that she just got from existing in the world. Yeah. She has yeah. very wonderful friends. So it's not that kind of story that she was faced with shame. In a lot of sense, she was very blessed in the way that she was... Um, accepted after the fact but for her own self for feeling as though i'm making this harder on myself somehow she had to keep getting over that hurdle over and over even as she started to date women she had to get over that hurdle even as she had fully accepted it it still felt like a hurdle Mm -hmm. and i thought that that was a really refreshing look at it that it isn't always just this linear process for everyone that it can be different and it can look different um I picked it for this theme because I think it really embodies the universal bad habit that we all need to give up, which is assuming our journey is the same as everyone else. Oh, God. Or that it should fit the path as everyone else. And I think one of the biggest bad relationships we all struggle with and have to give up on is with ourselves and embrace just becoming what makes us happy. This is not like the, the summary of all coming out stories. This is a very specific story. Like I said, it's a graphic novel. She drew the pictures. She went to art school. She tells her story. I personally, this book to me would is seems like it would speak volumes to young adults that are struggling in friendships. Um, Like I said, I don't think that it's like the total of all stories. I there's, you know, a lot of other reading to do on that topic. So I don't want to give the impression that I'm saying like, this is, this is the book. Mm -hmm. It's just another good reminder. Like this is someone else's journey. You look at it through pictures, you feel really connected in that way to her, but it's has this universal theme of we don't trust ourselves. And if we did a little bit more of that, it would a make us more comfortable in our own lives, but it would make us better people to each other too. So so I picked it for this. What theme. a great idea! Yeah. I like that idea too. Kind of related to uh, my pick in terms of social media. I feel like we fall prey to like what coming out should look like, mm-hmm. or what like this. You know, if you're feeling confused about your life, this is what it means. And mm-hmm. what a great story just to show like this is me, just being an individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It was really. I thought it was really well done. I liked the pictures. You know, I think graphic novels have that ability to do something that other genres sometimes don't, which is you get these very, makes you feel very connected when you're mm-hmm. looking at someone's interpretation in a picture and not just words. When you get the power of those two together, I feel like it does something else. Because mm-hmm. I think if you took the words out of this graphic novel, it isn't as powerful. You know, it's absolutely it's the pictures that really help um, 
drive that idea home and, yeah. and make you feel as though you're really living this journey with this person. And I think anytime that we can do that, it kind of helps us be better people just because then we can say, oh, well, that I didn't go through that and I never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. So I love that idea, especially of graphic memoir in particular, mm-hmm. you know, by telling an individual story, but by adding the art to the words and making it so much more powerful. I think just in doing this podcast, I've been introduced to a lot of books in in that vein that I'd never seen before, and damn, mm-hmm. like Mira Jacobs' book, yes, T. Boys' book, yes, yes, wow. And this to me feels like one that would be a great resource for you know, like teachers to have in a classroom, for parents of young adults to have around, because it's something that someone's going to pick up and get a theme of you know, whatever you feel like you are is okay. That's great. Mm-hmm. Like, let's talk about that. And it, it's a great story of acceptance. And I think, you know, books are that magic way that sometimes make people feel comfortable to open some of those doors. Absolutely. So. I was thinking about that earlier today, that uh, books are such a source of empathy. And we've said that again yes. and again and again. But it, yeah, mm-hmm. it uh, it can feel that way so much more when we talk about a really well done memoir. Yes, Yeah. absolutely. Nicely done. Just read a book. <laughs> Each time it feels like we're judging our listeners more and more. Just read. Just, Just read. read a book. Just read a book. God damn it. It's not that hard. Get a book. I mean, we've been doing this for a while. This is episode 80. Which means you got lots to pick from. So just read a book. Wow. Get to it. You know, Aaron was very anti-shame and guilt, and then suddenly she suddenly shamed shame and guilt all over the place. All the listeners. Well, you yeah. had a 30-second window where I would have stayed <laughs> out of the shame and guilt, but you didn't do what I said, so now you get shame and guilt. <laughs> Man, you never know where you stand with you, Aaron. I know. You're just I'm a accepting mer- I'm not. mercurial. <laughs> mercurial, yes. Oh, Lord. Oh, boy. Pop culture-wise. Mm-hmm. I've got a, a film, a movie film. A film? Yes. A movie film. <laughs> Just piece, watch a movie. A piece, a piece of cinema. <laughs> Just watch a movie. A piece of cinematic magic. <laughs> this came from last year on the Netflix. The Netflix? The Netflix. Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't know where this is coming from, but I like it. Yeah. Um, the movie's called The 40-Year-Old Version. Version and or virgin? Ver- version. Okay, I was going to say the 40 year version is not Latin. Nope, not the one from 2005. Nope, I'm talking about the new one. That would have been a whole different pick. And that could have maybe worked. I don't know. I was just thinking if you really were saying virgin, how I was going to call it. Yeah, that didn't come out in 2020. I don't. And also, why are you picking that? Yeah. No, this is the 40-year-old version. Version? Yes. Uh, This was written, directed, and stars Radha Blank. Okay. Um, The main character is also named Radha, who is a playwright who won a a sort of prestigious award when she was younger. But now she's around 40 years old, and she's kind of struggling. She's kind of, uh, you know, stuck. Especially since she's a black woman and the white theater powers of New York have this sort of view of the black experience that if she sort of, you know, says anything different or creates something different, they're like, no, 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 no. That's not what we want to see. Mm. So she is making ends meet by teaching at a school. 
her mom died recently and she's trying hard not to face it. And one day, just sort of frustrated about life, she's listening to hip hop blaring from a car outside and she gets an idea that she's going to do that. So she writes some lyrics and she finds a guy that offers beats for sale. Ooh. She names herself Rodimus Prime oh. and dives into this whole new world of rap. Creativity, voice, everything. This wow. is This is super funny. And I want to say first, just wait for her first performance, which is maybe halfway through the movie. It's, it's touching. It's uh, cringy. It's just wonderful. Oh. So yeah, so she becomes a rapper. And through the process of that, um, she, she, there's a little bit of romance that develops. Mm. There's a lot of soul searching, self searching. Mm. And I chose it for this theme because I think Rada feels especially stuck because she's aging out of this narrow window in which we usually define success. Right. Right. Um, she, I mean, you think about that. Think about how many awards are out there for like 30 under 30 or like people who are in their 20s and making Mm -hmm. this. And it's very much a youth driven world of creativity, which is really strange when Mm -hmm. you think about it. Um, There's this feeling that if you don't achieve success by a certain age, you're done. Yeah. And Rada herself has sort of bought into that, which has made her frustrated, made her ashamed, made Mm -hmm. her feel guilty that she hasn't done more. And it makes her willing to work in situations that she maybe wouldn't have considered otherwise, like Mm -hmm. creating a play with these white theater owners that are twisting the play into something it was never meant to be. Right. So, but she has this moment of realization that she can be creative in other ways. And understanding that her life might be envisioned, her her might, might, let me try that again. Her life (laughs) (laughs) might be different than she envisioned. Right. But that could be so much more satisfying and mm-hmm. it could be more powerful in that way. I loved this, especially as a writer. I think so many authors, you know, who found success at an older age, we don't hear about them as often. We hear about the younger ones that are really making their mark. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like this because she doesn't have children and at reaching a certain age, she gets uh, kind of judged in a way for that. You know, like, well, if you're not making it. Uh, in your chosen profession and you don't have kids in a family, well, then what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Thing, you okay, know? yeah. Um, so I, I, I like, like I said, for this theme, I like that she has to, through the process of this movie, have to sort of let go of some of the uh, misconceptions she has about the world, about herself, and embrace the new Rodimus Prime. That's a great name, it's by the way. such a great name. Such a great name. Yeah. I also liked the idea that there's just a dude out there just making beats for anybody. Yes. Yeah. Beats for sale. Beats for sale. Mm-hmm. I hope that's his website. <laughs> beats for sale. And I hope that people that want actual beats accidentally go there sometimes. Oh, no. No. Oh, no, no, no. No, that's no. not what it. Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, but what a great, I mean, talk about another universal theme is that idea that we all think we know how our life is supposed to go. Absolutely. And it always turns out different. And, yeah. You know, I know that Mike and I have had that conversation where you think, oh, I thought it would be different. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, if I went back and changed those things, I wouldn't have certain other things. So that's not right. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, her living in New York, her choosing a certain area of creativity, she, by doing that, felt like, well, I failed, you know, yeah, by opening herself up to something else could, yeah, make you rethink everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's good. I'm going to. Check out the 40-year-old version. The version with an S. With an S. And an E and an R. And an E and an R. And an I-O-N. Yes. Not in that order. Because that wouldn't make sense. <laughs> no. No. Our letters got weird there. 
<laughs> we might have put the don't wrong worry, it's <laughs> on the wrong syllable. <laughs> don't worry, it's spelled out correctly in the show notes in yes. case you didn't understand a damn thing that we just said and did. Yeah. Yeah. And if so, just read a book. Just, <laughs> just watch a film. Just watch a cinematic piece <laughs> on the old Netflix. <laughs> on that Netflix. On the tube. Yep. Well, for pop culture this week, I am recommending a show on HBO called Succession. Oh, I've never watched this. I've heard good things. Yes. So it just finished two seasons. Now, it is already slated for a third season. We all know COVID threw quite a whammy into a lot of production schedules, so I'm not sure when that's going to come out, but you have plenty of time to get season one and two under your belt. This tells the story of an uber-wealthy family that runs a media mega conglomerate. So it's called Waystar Royco, excuse me, Waystar Royco. And Logan Roy, who's played by Brian Cox, is the head of the family. And he's turning 80. Mm. And so at some point, he needs a succession plan. Like, who's Unless going you're to the queen over? and you just decide to keep living forever. I will live forever because, Charles, you ain't getting this shit. Okay? I don't like you and the way you've been. So no crown for you. Exactly. Kind of the same idea. Yeah, same idea. In fact, I think I wrote that in my notes somewhere. Oh, nice. It's kind of the crown in modern day with people that just think they're royals. Right. They're not actually royalty. They're just wealthy enough that they think think they're they're royals. Sure, sure, sure. So he's had to start to think about the next steps for the company, and he has four children. So Connor Roy is played by Alan Shuck, and he's the eldest son from Logan's first marriage. And he's arguably not on the table at all for the succession plan. He's weird. He lives on his own like little retreat farm thing. He hired um, a prostitute to be his date to places, but then just continues to pay her. And now they're like in a relationship. Okay. No one's really sure. Great. Um, He may or may not want to run for president, but everything he says makes no sense. So, well, I mean, that's not too far from, you know. Right. So the other siblings tolerate him, but he's not really seriously in the running at all. So the next one down is Kendall Roy, who's played by Jeremy Strong, and he's the eldest son from Logan's second marriage. Mm -hmm. And he is very intimately involved in the business. And he's arguably the front runner for this position. But we learn pretty quickly that he's got a past. He's got some drug history. He went through a divorce. And there seems to be a lot of simmering tension between him and his father. Did he give hand jobs in a gas station for those hard drugs? Well. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. I mean, All right. there's, some, there's some murky moments. Just, I think you could work that just in. Just seeing if my hypothesis is still I, I don't think it's far off. Oh, okay, great. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and then you have Shiv Roy, who's the, his only daughter, played by Sarah Snook. And she doesn't seem interested in this position because she's a high-level political strategist. But we certain, soon learn that she's kind of hiding her ambition to be at the head of this oh. family because she doesn't think that her dad will ever give it to her. Okay. But when the door's opened a little bit, oh, she's willing to kick it in. Like, mm. she wants to do it. And then we have Roman Roy, who's played by Kieran Calkin. Oh. Uh, he's the youngest son. And at the beginning, you think he's like the family scapegoat for everything and screw up. So there's no way he's in line for it. But I will say out of all of them, his character grows on you so much. Um, He's a great humorous point in the show. But it's also an interesting story of someone who sort of puts up a front. Like I put up humor and maybe like my antics, I put that out front for maybe some deep pain and some actual ambition that I'm just not showing anyone. So he's a very interesting character. 
again, they're just really wealthy, so they get whatever they want. So it is like watching The Crown, where they're all really entitled and they don't seem to understand normal people. Hmm. Rich people behaving badly. Yes, absolutely. Uh But it is addicting. You are like, what is happening? I don't understand. You're going to hate Logan Roy. Interesting. Just despise him with everything you are. Okay. And you're going to hate the kids for not seeing that they're getting sucked into the same path. And that's why I picked it for the scene, because... As a family, they just have this really bad habit of never letting anyone feel comfortable and exploiting each other's weaknesses hmm. to end up on top, mm-hmm. to ultimately be in charge. It's really all about power with them. And honestly, if they would all just let go, particularly of dad, huh? how much better off they would be. Hmm. And it, it, I'm telling you, it's addicting. Mike and I watched it, and we watched it so fast, and we cannot wait for season three. There are some terrific performances in that. Um, Shiv's husband is a great character. Uh, I will tell you, there's a cringy rap scene in this. Whoa! Played by Jeremy Strong oh, as Kendall. No. When there's maybe a falling off the wagon moment. Oh no! There that is shouldn't be happening. Weird dark humor in places, okay. and also some really crazy themes about power, money, yeah. family. Um, just all of it wrapped up in there. That's good to hear. Because I've heard great things about it, but I was also like, I don't know if I can handle watching rich people be assholes. They are. Okay. They are. Okay. It, there's but no it's get- also entertaining. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there's no getting around that. Yeah. And, and you, they're not trying to hide it. Like, they're mm-hmm. not making these people good people that mm-hmm. you're like, okay, but yeah, but they're kind of terrible. Yeah. Because sometimes we've talked about that. There's kind of that weirdness in the crown a little bit. Yes. Yes. Where we feel sympathetic towards them, but then they reveal themselves to be just complete assholes with no you know idea of what it a real life is yes yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. and this i they are very upfront about the fact that they have no idea what real life is yeah. and they have no desire and i mean if you got that much money they get away with everything because they have that much money yeah um holly hunter plays a great role in the second season it's in very interesting i think there's some very interesting points about female power and yeah. female dynamics um and what you have to do as a female if that's something that you're interested in mm-hmm. um yeah i'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say that you, there's this is a cast of likable characters <laughs> that you would want to have a drink with i don't really that's think okay. any of i that's can true. stand hating the character yeah. i just i think i need to go know that going in yeah and and i like that they present it that way they're yeah. not trying to say oh these are good people they're misunderstood no Mm-mm. they're not Mm-mm. Mm-mm. they're not Wow. It's not great. Is there anything, like, is it based on, like, the Murdochs or, like, any sort of powerful family like there, that, do you I, think? There's rumors, but yeah. there's been no, nothing that's been, like, uh, probably substantiated. Like a combination or, of all sorts of There's a very families. interesting dynamic in this that uh, Waystar Royco owns a news agency that is eerily similar to one that we know. Is it spelled F-O-X? It is. Okay. Yes. And they are competing against another company that owns the other side of the media Mm. world. And so there's this sort of problem all the time of where they put, and that's a problem for the daughter because she's a political strategist. And some of the stuff that gets put on the news channel she doesn't like, but it's also her family. It's also family money. (sighs) So it is, it's twisty. And you're in their heads and you've, there are times that you're like, wow, they're under immense pressure. And then you think, yeah, but they don't ever worry about money mm-hmm. or yeah. where that's going to happen. Or, you know, they hop on jets and go on international flights <laughs> on a whim. They don't have to worry about leg room and a plane. No. Hmm. They don't have to worry about driving. Oh. They just get driven everywhere. Wow. You What's know? that like? They don't have to worry about 
making meals or, mm, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wondering what clothes to wear. They just have lots of nice clothes. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. There's, it's some, it's interesting. It's different. It's great. Yeah. I like it. It's, you know. It's a cautionary tale of not is. letting go of the right things. It is. And it's entertainment at its best. Man. So just watch the show. Just watch a show. <laughs> just watch a show. <laughs> You'll like it. And I'm telling you right now, Jeremy Strong, I think that it had, it got some accolades. Like it was, uh-huh. it was nominated for some Emmys and stuff. And he, his performance in this is top wow. notch. Yeah. He's okay. real good. All I right. mean, I haven't really seen him in anything else, but mm-hmm. I would, he, I would imagine is going to have quite the career. So I liked um, Kieran Culkin in Fargo and the second season of Fargo. So mm-hmm. that, yeah, mm-hmm. that intrigues me. Yes. That he yeah. That he's kind of character. very good. In yeah. this. like okay. just totally different and. There's some, some of the best moments happen with him for sure. Excellent. And there's also, I forgot, there's this cousin that appears out of nowhere that is like from a marriage or something and he kind of shows up and he's like this kind of guy out of college that's just trying to get a job and he's a real like earnest do-gooder and him in juxtaposition with the family, some of the, that stuff is terrific. You're going to eat him alive. Yeah. But he learns quick. Okay. Yeah. All right. So just watch the show. <laughs> so our takeaway from this episode is read a book. Watch a show. Watch a show. Put a movie on the Netflix. <laughs> I don't know why we're trying to shame you into this. Just do it. Just do it. Why are we? Yeah. <sighs> Let go of your inhibitions and do it. <laughs> that sounds real weird yeah, that and creepy. Yeah. It sounds like something someone on hard drugs would say. Yeah. You're right. Just let go. Just let, let go, go of those inhibitions. Dance Give out window. those hand jobs. <laughs> I feel like there was still a line with you that I appreciated. Like we never went past, past hand jobs. Like, nope. No, I could have got, yep, could have got way worse. But no. nope, that's where we stopped. Yeah, we stopped at hand jobs. Important to have so, lines and boundaries, yeah. even it's, when yes, you're on hard Exactly. Yes. That's the theme. You know, you got to have your boundaries. I agree. Yeah. yeah wholeheartedly. <laughs> So we will be back Mm -hmm. next week. Mm -hmm. And, you know, until then, happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open? The dreams are, they're in me, and they're, they're coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. (laughs) Because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. 
Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D, Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.